life is a gift. My life is a gift to me. I must enjoy this gift. I'm happy, I'm content, and I want to keep on being like that. And I think my positive energy affects others. It sends out little rays, I think, and it helps. I think it can heal others, and I'm very much into healing. Welcome to another episode of the Catching Health Podcast. My guest today is Hazel Jacobs, who under the name Busy Bee Blogger, writes the very popular blog, Scarf Aid, recently featured in the New York Times and the Telegraph in London. South London is where Hazel lives, and I live in the United States, in Maine. We have an ocean between us and a few years, but we've discovered that we share some things in common including that we were both born under the best sign of the zodiac, Libra. Hazel is here with me, well, across the ocean, to tell us some stories about her life, what her blog is all about, and why she started it, and also what it's like to be growing older. Hazel turned 87 on October 16th. I feel like I should bow to you, Hazel, but I will just give you a hearty Hello and welcome. I've been so excited to talk with you. Well, me too. The feeling is mutual. We're going to get along just fine. I feel the same way. I feel a connection and not just because we were both born in October. But uh, it's about nine, a little bit after nine o'clock here in Maine. It's what, about two o'clock? Two o'clock, yeah, just after, yeah. How have you spent your day so far? So far? Oh, well, I wasn't expecting that. Well, I got up, I weighed myself. I'm very conscious that I must keep my weight steady. And then I had my breakfast. Every morning I have toast and fruit, fresh fruit. Then I rang friends and family. I check in with one daughter in the morning and the other daughter checks on me in the evening. As you know, I'm 87 years old and I need checking on because you <laughs> never know. I might do a runner. <laughs> to a runner. So then, then I just went straight into morning coffee and the morning had passed, yeah. And I was all excited about doing this podcast, the first in my life. Oh, I love that. But you have been doing interviews. Yes, I have. Yes, I have. Yes. Mm -hmm. But my first podcast, yes. Well, I'm honored. I also want to ask you, because you just had your birthday, was the celebration different than other years or did you manage to get together with family? Yes, I had two daughters come up and kidnap me. I, I live just outside London and both daughters live in the country in Wiltshire, about two hours away from my home. So they kidnapped me and took me down to Wiltshire. I stayed with one daughter for two nights and the other daughter for the other two. I saw my grandchildren and my great-grandchildren in small segments because we can't have any more than six people at the moment together. So we were all sort of sanitized and you know kept our distance. But it was lovely seeing all these generations. And so that was how I spent my birthday very pleasantly. Well, that sounds lovely. So I read that London has gone into another lockdown, into another phase, like high alert. Is that right? That is correct. We have three categories, tier three, two, and one. Where I live is in tier two. So now I have locked down again. So I will not be going out shopping or socializing at all. Well, let's go back to March. I do know that just before COVID, did you have a mini stroke? Yes, I did. March the 2nd, I have a condition called age-related macular degeneration. The macula in my eye has deteriorated and I have injections in the eyes. 
On March the 2nd, I was expecting to have just a scan done. Then I can go on the bus to the hospital, a couple of buses to the hospital and get home, no problem. But that day, unexpectedly, I had to have the injections. So that's, you know, not very well after that. And I kind of need help to get home. Got home with a taxi. After a few hours, I went shopping and was okay. Came home, telephoned my daughter, and my speech had gone. I could hear myself saying this googly gook. I was trying to say fromage frais, which is not the easiest thing to say at the best of times. Uh, Evening Standard and Marks and Spencers. And it just came out as rubbish. And I could hear myself saying this and I found it quite amusing. But of course, the girls were panic stricken, realised I was having a TIA. And they came up from Wiltshire. And the next day I went in and had every test done under the sun. When I came out from the hospital that day, March the 3rd, there was a covid testing unit outside the hospital and that was my first personal meeting with COVID and that just made me think aha this is real that was March the 3rd so then because of this scare I had I had to change my way of living and take care of my diet and try and be more healthy so that was when I thought about in the middle of the night what am I going to do and I thought about the scarves and how I could write a blog. And my granddaughter and I had discussed a blog. And she's 21 and is an art student. So she's savvy about setting up websites. So she set up the website. We got the name Scarfate. And by March 26th, blog number one was out. <laughs> so that was just three weeks after the stroke. And then I, it was 100 days, a, a story every day. Every day. Scarfade. The name comes from, it's aiding you. It's giving you purpose and something to do and also works your brain, doesn't it? We had a thing in England called Bandy. It, it was a fundraising thing with pop bands and they had concerts and raised a lot of money for, I think it was children in Africa. So this was not a charity thing. This was just aiding me and aiding others. That was most important to me, that my story was going out to other perhaps lonely people and so many people just waited for that every morning gave them a reason to get out of bed you know read this nonsense I was <laughs> coming with me on this magic carpet I'd had lots of adventures over the last few years when my husband died in 2004 and he was the driver in the family and you know we went off on wonderful trips, as you know. But when he died, then I had to sort of look at other ways of having journeys. And I found all these organizations that had coach trips. So I'd go off on these coach trips, day trips. And that's when I found charity shops. And I would make it my goal for the day to find a nice scarf. I had many adventures on these outings. You know, I got turned over an addiction, went to be rescued by firemen and all sorts of adventures. So some of my scarves are from the 60s, the 70s, the 80s, the precious ones, the Hermes and all that. But the idea for more stories, adventures, really came from these coach outings. Your first blog you dedicated to your husband, whose name yes. is Godfrey? Godfrey, yes. Because that was oh. our wedding anniversary, March the 26th. You reminisced about your wedding day. And what struck me is when you said about how you were looking toward the future, looking forward to the future, but that you still have that mindset. Absolutely. Well, I'll tell you what, I, I really enjoy the moment now. I think the most important thing is this minute now. I'm enjoying talking to you now this moment. I'll let tomorrow take care of itself. Because I don't know, I might fall over and break my leg tomorrow. I don't know what tomorrow is going to bring. So let's enjoy this minute now. And have you always been like that? Maybe. <laughs> 
I suppose I'd plan ahead, but I kind of like to do things on the spot at the moment. But I have a little saying, I'll see which side of the bed I get out on. And, and it drives my family mad because most of my family, they plan things and have things in the diary. And I'm rather not like that. You know, I just grasp the moment. So back to you and Godfrey, you had a yeah. good marriage. 49 and three quarter years. What's the and secret to your good marriage? Well, it's the same as in any relationship. Each partner has to give 55%. That's the only thing in life I have learned. And allowing each other space. He had his interest, and I've always been a sportswoman. He's allowed me my sports interest, which he didn't chair. And then he had interests in the city of London, and he did a lot of charity work. So that was his thing. So we each had our own interests, yes. And that's made me able to stand widowhood because I've always had my own separate interests and my own independence, I suppose. It's not easy when you lose your partner after so many years. But I had hip surgery just a few weeks after he died and I thought well I've got to survive this because my girls my grandchildren can't lose both their parents together so having hip surgery enabled me to get through that kind of difficult time. This may sound like an odd question but does grief get easier with time as they say time heals all? I think it does. I think it does. But, you know, I could cry just like that. Just odd little things can just turn my tears on. And that's all right. I don't cry very much, but just odd things can trigger something. But I'll share something with you. I've got his ashes at the bottom of my garden and they're not buried. They're in a lovely marble box with leaping dolphins and he's above the soil. And I have a little fish pond. So he's down there by his fish pond. He loved his fish. So if it's a special occasion, I'll go down there with a glass of wine and have a chat with him. And my girls always have a chat with him when they come. So it's quite a nice, nice week. You know, I didn't want him buried or his ashes scattered. He's there. And then when I die, the girls can put me in alongside him or they can move him. So he's transportable. (laughs) I love that. And he was a traveler. Oh, he was a traveler. Yes, yes. And he loved his dog. And when he died, friends donated the money to put up a bench on the river. And we had engraved the top slat of it. And it said, in loving memory of Godfrey Jacobs and his dog, Moe. The bench was removed and I was most upset. And I had a new one reinstated. But I managed to find this top slat with this carving on it. So that's above the pond as well. So there's Grandpa's Grotto at the bottom. And so during COVID, while you've had to be isolated, do you visit him more often? Not really, no. The summer months, I have this lovely little garden. It's only 20 foot by 30 foot. But I sat in the garden a lot. I don't dwell on it. I stay in the moment now. That's not my nature to keep looking at the past. No, I've got to go on with life now. You just reminded me, you grew up in Scotland. But yes. you landed in London? This was before you met Godfrey? Yeah, my, my family moved to England. And that was a time when I was very sad when I left Scotland. Because for the first time in my life, I was living in an area where I couldn't see a hill or a mountain. And the houses were different. So I was very sad when I came from Scotland. When I was 19, I wanted to go and live in America. Now, I don't know if you've picked up that my grandfather went to the gold rush twice. He went with his brothers to Australia. He went alone to America twice and he was a master carpenter and they needed carpenters to make the props. He wasn't going to find gold. He was a carpenter and he did that twice, came back. Then he went to Australia in the gold rush. 
So I was brought up as a wee girl with these yellow National Geographical magazines mm -hmm. from my grandfather because he was keen on travel. So maybe this is something to do with how I write about travel. So when I was 19, I thought, I'm going to save up my fare. And I had an aunt who'd left Scotland when she was 19, and she'd gone to live in New Jersey. So she was going to give me my chance if I was saved up my fare one way. So that was when I met Godfrey. He said, <laughs> you don't want to go to America, you want to marry me. The strange I should end up in America all these years afterwards. Well, I wanted to ask you about that because I saw that you lived in, well, you've lived in Hong Kong. Hong Kong first, yes. But you also lived in Sausalito? It was the late 70s, the 80s. You were in Sausalito in the late 70s and 80s. You were yeah. there during that whole oh, era. Oh, you know, the peacock feathers and hot tubs. Yeah, that was it. <laughs> and were you thick in that scene? Well, not really, not really. I mean, friends had hot tubs. I'd never known about hot tubs until I went there. <laughs> No, that was when I, I couldn't work in America because I didn't have a green card. And I was a dependent relative. My husband had a business visa, so I couldn't work. So I did volunteer work with the suicide hotline. After I'd done my shift online, I balanced that by going to the Baptist seminary and learned Chinese. I didn't read the small print. And it was it was Chinese for missionaries. I didn't read the last bit. I only wanted to be able to, you know, order my meals in a Chinese restaurant. And then in the evening, I played field hockey, which I took up again when I was in my 50s. It was a nice balance. So that was my life in California. So you didn't become a hippie? No, I was not a hippie. Well, I wore bandanas around my head, still do. Certainly you were a free-spirited individual. Free-spirit, yeah. A free-spirit, yeah. 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 Did you have your daughters by then? They came and went. My sadness in life, Dan, has always been parting with my family. When I went to live in Hong Kong, I had to leave elderly parents. Godfrey had to leave his mother. Um, so that was very hard. When I left Hong Kong and came to America, then I had to say goodbye to my children because they were 20 and 18, I think. They couldn't live with us in America because they didn't have the correct kind of visas. So one I left in Hong Kong and the other was in England. So that was a very hard time, not being able to see my children. So these have been the hardships for me, saying goodbye to my kids. How long were you in California? I suppose I was there maybe five, six years. But then the children came and, and visited. And then my younger daughter, Claire, she came and she worked for the British consulate, which was wonderful. She was secretary to the vice consul and had a very exciting time when, when Her Majesty Queen Elizabeth came to visit. And she and I played hockey together in the same hockey team. And, you know, competitive, go down to San Jose and play two games because it was this California. That was actually a very nice time. But then, uprooted again, and I didn't want to leave. I didn't want to leave California. I didn't want to come back to England. Not at mm. all. I loved my life there. But then there was Godfrey's mother, who was then over 90. And every Sunday when we rang her, she would say, Oh, son, I can't die in peace until you're back in the country. So, of course, it was kind of blackmail. <laughs> We came back and she lived for another seven years. I had to adjust because I hadn't lived here for a long, long time. And I found that old friends didn't want to hear about my life in Hong Kong or America. So it took some adjusting to be back in England again. I lived right in central London. And then I did the professional training to become a massage therapist. So I did all that in aromatherapy, reflexology, herbal medicine. So uh, that was a, a kind of a third career or something. Then we bought a home in Andorra, Andorra in the Pyrenees. So that led to my learning another language because they speak Catalan there, they don't speak Spanish. So that was another sort of interest. 
I wanted to ask you about your macular degeneration again. So do you have the wet? Yeah, yeah, in both eyes. Okay, so that's why when you get these injections, which is almost too horrifying to even imagine, but yeah. at least there is a treatment for it. There is, yes. And it doesn't make it better, but it arrests the condition. And I have friends who've lost their sight. And that's another nice thing with my blog. I sometimes read my blog to blind friends. Oh, but you yeah. still have enough sight. Oh, yes, yes, yes. And I've had my cataracts done and I've got long distance lenses fitted. There was one time when I couldn't see the numbers of the flights, you know, in an airport. Couldn't read the numbers on buses, but that's okay now. My sight's pretty good, pretty good considering. I have a, a friend who's in her late 60s now. Uh -huh. She has the other kind of macular degeneration. The dry, no, they can't do anything for that. Mind you, I have one wet, one dry, and the dry one turned wet. So who knows? But there is treatment out there, and not pleasant, but, you know, it's available. So when you had your cataracts removed, they put in new lenses, and so you didn't Correct. need to wear glasses anymore? Not for drive. I can still drive. I've lost my nerve about it, but I'm technically able to drive, yeah. I mean, I'm not forbidden from driving. I've written blogs about the cars. I had this lovely old BMW and it was 30 odd years old. And I just sold it this year to somebody who will restore it because it's a classic car and it was in good condition. So I sold it and then I, oh dear, impulsively bought a Mini. It's a Mini Cooper S. So it's a sports car. It goes like the clappers. That's sitting in my garage now. But because of lockdown, I'm not going anywhere. But I thought, well, it would be a car that my granddaughter, who's a barrister, she hasn't got a car, so I thought, well, she can drive it. Well, leave cars aside. It's my bet noir. <laughs> That's funny. You said that you check in with friends and your family checks in with you, but how about doing your shopping and things like that? I've been doing my own shopping for the last, you know, when COVID went away a bit, I started shopping again myself. I love food shopping. I like cooking. So I, I took chances. I can walk to the shop from where I am. I'm right in the centre of town. Two minutes and I'm, I'm at a shop. But now I realise I'm vulnerable. I'm in lockdown again. So only yesterday I organised an online shopping delivery. So I've got that set up and that's coming next Wednesday. Because the last lockdown thing, I've got huge stores. Being a Scot, being a wartime child, I know all about laying in provisions for the hard times. I've got more food in my garage than my local supermarket has, probably tins, <laughs> ice and spaghetti. I could live till Christmas without going to a shop, but I'd have funny things to eat. And during the last lockdown, my 100 days one, I had a kind neighbour who would get me bread and let this cornbread in this one shop. They sell it. And all my neighbours were looking out for this cornbread for me. <laughs> so I'd find little parcels on my doorstep. Look, I live in a, a gated community with seven houses and two small blocks of flats. So there's 22 properties. So I'm, I live in a community, which is nice. I can't rely on neighbours again. I've got to be self-sufficient. I can live without going outside. I will go out for a walk because I think it's important to keep exercising. And so easy for me to sit in front of this computer, you know, an iPad. I've even got two iPads. I've got a bank of them. <laughs> well, to get back to Scarfade, if you did not have your blog now, yes. do you think that your frame of mind would be totally different? It would be different, but it wouldn't be nullified because I've got so many other projects to do. I've got, somebody gave me at least 
50 brand new silk blouses and I'm going to make them into face masks. So that's a project. You know, I like languages, so I'm studying my Italian so I could spend more time on my Italian study. I've got paints. I'd quite like to do portrait painting. I haven't had time to do that. So if I didn't do the blogs, I'd do something else. But here's what strikes me about the blog. Yeah. What the blog does is it connects you with other human beings. Yes, that's very true. Yeah. And that's important. And I love when somebody leaves a comment and to learn about other people's interests and they share their experiences of the scarves and things. So, yes, I'll continue with the scarves and I have plenty more scarves. I could write another 500. And did you know, I've got a literary agent who signed me up. What do you mean? Well, just that. Out of the blue, they approached the, the Telegraph to get my address. And she's American, but she's been a literary agent in London for 20 years. And I love her. I've met her online and I love her. And she was in New York at the time of the Twin Towers being hit and she saw the second plane hit the tower. Mm. And she said, you never see a butterfly in New York. And she said that day she saw a crowd of butterflies and she thought these were the lost souls from the tower. Now, my hair just stood on end at that. And she said, the, the scarf that I like best of yours, Hazel, is the La Farfalla, which is the, the butterfly. And she held that up. Well, Ella and I have been working on, on the book of the blogs, and that is the front cover that we had chosen. I tell you, Dan, I just thought, well, this lady is just meant to be. I'm not commercially minded, but I would like the blogs to be made into books. It's visually attractive, I think. And it's my life story and it's my legacy to leave behind. That is so exciting. I haven't planned any of this. It's just come to me. I mean, here you are. You found me. I haven't gone searching for people. It's just it's a wonderful journey. I found you from a friend of mine who saw the New York Times article. She sent me an email and she said, Diane, you need to track her down. She would be a wonderful interview. I signed up to get your book. All blog. right, then. All and, right, then. Yeah, yeah. And then yeah, the first yeah. one that came, I looked to see who did it come from. And it came from Ella. And so oh, I emailed to Yeah, yeah. Everybody protects me. They, they all protect me because there's a lot of weirdos out there. So I've got to be careful, you know. We need to talk about Ella, your granddaughter. Oh, she's part of the team. Ella is an art student up in Manchester and she's having to have all her tuition online. It's her final year. She's doing graphic arts, so she's interested in what we're doing. We're a partnership and it's been lovely working together. And so how did the arrangement occur between you and her? I, I wanted to write a blog and I said, well, how do I do this blog? So she said, well, you've got to get a website, Granny. I'll sign you up. So there was this free website, I think on Wix, W-I-X. Mm -hmm. But then my daughter, Ella's mummy, paid for a better quality website. So that was how it started. And, and then Ella set up the website because I wouldn't know how to do a website. So then once a day, I would send the photographs and the story or whatever it was, and Ella would put it out on the web. So that was how it came about. And it's brought us closer and closer. She's an absolutely wonderful girl. And I hope that the blog will help set her on a career. I hope it will open doors for her. So that's one of my driving forces that maybe it will open doors for Ella because it isn't easy for a young girl to get a job and get placed. But now she's got entry to our telegraph. She's got entry to this agent who's going to represent me. And they're all top people who've seen. You know, they sent these photographers to my back garden and reporters. And the New York Times, the photographer spent three hours with me and took four 
400 photographs of me, 400 photographs. I saw some of them. There was a collage of them in the New York Times article. They were beautiful. And that photographer was very kind and sent me the whole portfolio. Oh, so for all these photographs, yes. So I'm curious. I suspect you'll be living well into your 100s. Oh, I don't know about that. I, yeah. Well, if I make it just tomorrow, I'll, I'll be lucky. You don't know. I hope to live to be 90 and I'm going to have a big party and I'm going to rent Kew Palace. And that's where Prince Charles had his, I don't know which birthday it was, and get everybody to dress up in Georgian clothes. And we'll have, I think we have about 30 people for dinner. So that's for my 90th. I would like to meet David Attenborough, who lives in Richmond. I, I know where he lives. I could go and drop a letter through his letterbox. Um, but no, <laughs> just joking. But I would like to meet him because I admire him very much what he's doing for the planet. And I think we've all got to think about that big picture too. Oh, yeah. 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 What do you want your legacy to be? My legacy to be? Okay, well, uh, I would like people to remember me with kindness, with joy in their hearts. I wouldn't want them to grieve over me when I go. And I would just hope that everybody else could have my attitude towards life. If I could give that to everybody else, that would be a wonderful thing to give because I can't take any credit for it because it's just the way I was born. But if everybody could be as happy as me, the world would be a better place. I'm very happy. I've got peace of mind, Diana, but it's not everybody that has that. It seems like one of the keys is what you said earlier about taking each moment, living in yeah. the moment and not yeah. living with regrets or worrying about yeah. the future. Yeah. I worry about my family, that, that they may not be as happy as me. And, and I have to keep living because I, I don't want them to be sad about when I go. <laughs> so I've, got keep, I've got to keep going. I'm, I mustn't go out, go out and run risks now. I'll have to be a bit more sensible. I don't like being sensible, but it's going to be more difficult this time I think because when we went into the first lockdown we didn't know how long it was going to be I think this time it's a long time and I hope everybody be okay with it it's very frightening and that whole notion mm -hmm. of not being able to see the end is yeah. disconcerting yeah. my husband and I were talking about it this morning just about some of the challenges that we have felt and I asked him what do you look forward to when this is all over and all of a sudden he just unloaded all of this I can't wait until we can go out to dinner again and I found myself feeling excited and I thought well maybe there is something to thinking about when this is over these are some of the things that we're going to do instead of thinking will this ever be over reframing yes. it to when this is over the things I'm going to look forward to doing are Yes, I miss the hugs. Oh, the hugs, yes. Yeah. When talking about your blog, Scarfade, yeah. you only want to tell happy stories, and you yes. chose your scarves because you have this collection of hundreds of scarves. Yes, yes, and, and it was a way of telling about my adventures and indirectly my, my life story, because some of them are from way far back when I was a little girl. Yeah. You have a great memory. Well, yes, about the things I choose to remember. I'm very good at forgetting the bad things. Of course, it hasn't always been plain sailing. There have been bad things, but why dwell on them? Nobody wants to hear about that. Yeah. yeah. But what you offer is testimony to, yes, there are bad things, but yeah. look at me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Learn from me. No, not learn from me. Come with me. Come with me. Let, you see what I'm wearing today? I've got this T-shirt on. Feet, what do I need you for when I have wings to fly? Awesome, awesome. That's Frida Kahlo, you know. Yes. That, that, 
Yeah, that's not mine. That's- you mentioned another, in one of your blogs, you mentioned Vanessa Bell, the yes. artist Vanessa yes. Bell. That's when the coach went down the ditch, yes. Uh, I was on my way there one day when this coach over in the ditch and we'd be rescued by the firemen. Then after that, I went and bought a scarf, you see. So every scarf has a story, or every scarf can lead to a story. Yeah, well, I weave them, you know. I have to weave them, you know, to get some interest out of them. But everything I've written is absolutely true. There's there's nothing made up, apart from my magic carpet. Everything is factual. Everything I say I've done, I've done it, yes, yes. When I look at the various blog posts, you sort of tell a story about your life, but you also add some historical facts in there oh yeah yes that's another fun thing i have to do i I have to research about these people who've made the scarves and how silk was created and it's most interesting so i've learned so much i also saw that you're very fussy about your scarves they have to be hand rolled edges yeah they've got to be hand stitched yeah 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 i'm very fussy about that but you did tell about one scarf though what a counterfeit so you did write a blog post about a scarf that was actually a counterfeit and you recently cut it up and turned it cut it up and made my masks out of it yes indeed so you didn't just discard this scarf that didn't measure up you transformed it i didn't even realize i had two with the same design like my god there's a pink one and an orange one then when i looked at it closely i thought no, that orange one is just not heavy enough. You can feel the quality of the silk. You could see with the two in front of me that one wasn't genuine. So I thought, all right, that's going to get cut up. So I've got all these masks. You have favorite scarves. My favorite one was actually a chiffon scarf. It wasn't by a well-known maker or anything, but it was lovely quality and very soft. Have you written about it yet? Yes, yes. What was that called? Might have been Wishing. Wishing. I'll look it up. Uh, Where do you write? Just at the dining room table here. I have a little book that I put down, the little ideas I have. And then when I've written about it, I put a line through it. Oh, there's something now that I haven't written about yet. And I see see I've written circles. Oh, this is an interesting thought. Circles I've got. I thought about a garland of scarves around the world. Oh. And I put this question out. This will be one of my questions that I'll throw out in a, in, a, in a blog so I get my audio, my reader interested and comes back to me with an answer. How many scarves do you think it would take to make a garland around the world? <laughs> I've got the answer. So I'll need to write a story, find a scarf. Well, so we should probably think about wrapping. I think it's been so lovely having a chat with you. <laughs> I've enjoyed it a ton. I did have one question that I wanted to wrap up with. You started Scarfade, your blog. It helps you during this time of isolation, but it also helps other people. Yeah, absolutely. So that's one thing that you're doing. And to me, you seem like a resilient person. And I think that that's important too. So you will get through this. I will, yeah. The COVID might get me, but I won't give up without a fight. No. I would like to end with some more words of wisdom from you, not just about coping with COVID, but coping with life in general. Life is a gift. My life is a gift to me. I must enjoy this gift. I'm happy. I'm content. And I want to keep on being like that. And I think my positive energy affects others. It sends out little rays, I think, and it helps. I think it can heal others. And I'm very much into healing.
and I send positive energy to sick people with the help of a little silver angel that I have by my bed. It can't do any harm. So that's kind of my gift in life that I've got good energy and I've got enough that I can share it with other people. Does that kind of answer your question? It more than answers my question because your gift to me is obvious. You're going to go down as my all-time favorite podcast interview. Oh, no. <laughs> I feel like I have the ability to get through this, but I have these low periods. Oh, please, please ring me down. Ring me anytime. That's what I do. People ring me. If you're low, ring me. Night or day. I'm here for, for everybody. A light-hearted chat can make people feel that wee bit better. Yeah. Now do that. Do that. You've made a new friend today. And if I can be of any help in the tiniest way, I'm here. Yeah. I would get as much from that as you might get from me. Well, hopefully we've gotten a little bit from each other. I know yeah, I've enjoyed this absolutely. immensely. Well, thank you very much for inviting me to be your guest today. And thank you for responding. Thank you for listening to the Catching Health podcast, which is hosted and produced by me. Diane Atwood. I have been talking with the most wonderful Hazel Jacobs, who is currently on lockdown in the outskirts of London, and she is coping by writing the blog Scarf Aid, which you can find and subscribe to at busybehazel.com. Hazel is spelled with two L's. You can also just search for Scarf Aid and you will find her and you will be delighted. I'm so grateful that she spent this time with me and with us. I also want to say thank you to our Catching Health sponsors, Avita of Stroudwater, a memory care facility, and Stroudwater Lodge, an assisted living community, both in Westbrook, Maine. My mother, who had Alzheimer's disease, lived at Avita for about two years, and she received excellent care and a lot of love. So did the entire family. For more information about both, go to northbridgecos.com. And to read my blog, Catching Health, to listen to more episodes of the Catching Health podcast, and to find a transcript of my conversation with Hazel Jacobs, go to catchinghealth.com. That's it for now. Stay well, and if you have a beautiful scarf tucked away somewhere, go get it and put it on. It will make you feel good, and you deserve that. Lovely.